All right, we are back. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the 615 Collector. Today is Friday, November 4th, 2022. My name is Doug Turner. My partner is Brandon Turner, and we are your hosts. Uh, yeah, and before we jump into the show, I um, just want to remind everybody at the top that we do not take sponsorships or get paid by anybody we talk about on our show, which is intentional, so that you can rest assured that the information we provide is unbiased and not financially motivated. Yeah, so today is officially episode 56, but it's actually the first episode of season two. Officially kicking off a new season. So how'd you, how was the, it was, a, it was a good week off, right? Yes. You enjoy the week off? Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, I think it was the first, I mean, we may have, maybe we took a week or a little time around Christmas. Or two before, but but. Yeah, that was nice. Had some good time off. I actually got that opportunity to go. I can't, I guess, talk too much about it, but had an opportunity to go on a business trip that was a golf trip to a private golf course, and that was absolutely fantastic. And I'm hoping I get invited back to do that again at some point. But uh, so that was a ton of fun. The weather was absolutely gorgeous. And anyway, so, and then you had a birthday. Yes. Yeah. So that was fun. Got to celebrate your birthday and going to get to go to a game. Yeah, we are. Coming up. It's going to be a good game, too. It should be. You excited about it? Yeah. Yeah. Brandon, for his birthday, got some tickets to go see Memphis and Miami. Obviously, Miami's Brandon's favorite team. And Memphis is just down the road from us here in Nashville. So we're going to get to see Jimmy Butler face off against Ja Morant. Should be a fun game. It should be. We got good seats, too. Yeah. I'm excited about it. That's going to be cool. And, oh, and I will say this, because last time, or I don't know, I guess, I don't think it was last time, maybe it was two shows ago, we had an unintended rant on PSA about that Michael Jordan card that we got that had a bad grade, got a five, and we were thinking, should have graded better. Well, we heard from them. So, you know, since we gave them an unintended rant, we need to now give them credit where credit is due. Uh, They reached out and actually provided some really good customer service. I was really happy with the response. They reached out and acknowledged the fact that they've had this card for far too long and uh, and apologized and said that uh, they wanted to make it right, and so they did a nice gesture. I'm not going to disclose exactly what it was because that's probably not fair to, you know, every person's situation is a little different. I don't want to set an expectation, and that's... Um, you know, between us and them, but we'll just say that they, they did make a nice customer service gesture that I felt like was fair and that certainly, you know, made us whole for the, the time and the, and the money that was spent um, in relation to the grading of this card. They did, however, say that their head grader looked at the card and continues to say that it is a five and did give an explanation and they even actually, they already sent the card back, so we got it back. And they said that uh, it had to do with the corners. And, of course, when I was talking to the lady on the phone, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the card in front of me, so I wasn't able to tell, but she was describing it. And, and you know, she, she wasn't a grader, but she was just saying the head grader had said that the corners were, had apparently just a little slight lift and mostly noticeable from the back. Now, got the card back. I've put it under light and magnification to about 5 or 10x. And for the life of me, I cannot see it. (laughs) So I have no idea. 
And the other thing I wonder is like, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is they, they said they saw on the on the corners, mostly noticeable from the back apparently, maybe, I don't know if they said it was like, they, maybe part of it was slightly lifting or maybe, you know, she, she wasn't exactly clear if it was, hey, they were, you know, like if there was a little bend in them or something, but I've looked, I don't, there's nothing, I can't see a bend. I don't see any, even, I don't even see the corners turning up. I have no idea. I've looked at a lot of cards with a lot of corners that have gotten way better grades than this. <laughs> and so that's the other question I have is whatever it is on the corners they saw, is that really enough to knock it down to a five? That's apparently was the only flaw, the only issue that was found in the card. That was the reason it got put to a five. Seems really nitpicky okay. to me. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, here, you, 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 here's the card. Our, oh, I know really, our users can't, really. can't look, can't see it, but you know, see if you can. Now you're not, you don't have magnification, but I put it under our. We've got a grading magnifier and lamp and everything that we put it under, and I just can't see anything. But you know, hey, is what it is. Now, at the end of the day, I'm not too concerned about it because, like I said, they did, they did us right. They gave us a nice customer service gesture, and. Uh, and gave us. I, I feel like I see like a little bit. Do you? Of a lift in like one corner, maybe two. Maybe just a slight turning up, it's but like, it's like it's not so a bend. I like can't even really tell though. I know. Like I'm like putting it sideways. It's kind of hard to tell with the case. Well, that's the yeah. It's in the slab now, so it is. It's more difficult but to like, see. Either way, I feel like it's so tiny. Oh, it's so minor. Like so minor. I don't know. Oh no, man. Based no, I don't either. And based on the experience I've had with cards like that, if there was anything like that, that that would maybe give it a nine instead of a ten. I, I don't see it going down to because you can have a slight flaw in a corner and still get a nine, or even an eight, uh, and based on their grading standards. And so I don't see how that drops it all the way down to a five, especially when they acknowledge that that's really the only flaw they found. I mean, you can see the cards perfectly centered, the edges are absolutely crisp. The corners are sharp, and the surface is. There are no scratches, no dimples, no printing defects whatsoever. It is a very clean card. So the only thing is that, yeah, whatever that slight, ever so slight, maybe little upturn. I mean, it's not even a bend because you can't see, like, there's no line or anything. You know what I mean? So whatever that is. But, yeah, I feel like that's naked. But, but again, you know, they look, they gave us a customer service gesture, gave us a credit. And I feel like the what they did for us, uh, as a result of how much time it took them to turn around the card and just everything else that we went through with it, I feel like it was fair. I feel good about it, and so, you know, I want to give them their due and give them credit. I'm, you know, that's that's actually what I think companies in the hobby should be doing is providing that kind of customer service. They they called up, they reached out, they were, you know, they owned up to the mistake offered to make it right it was a solution that i thought made a ton of sense and so you know hey i'm a happy customer now i was not happy with what was going on but they you know they did it right and so now we're happy with it again so anyway but i, I think there's you know hopefully that's that's you know we see more of that from them and from other companies in the space you know offering that kind of good quality you know customer service when things don't go the way that you know maybe everyone had expected them to go uh, anyway, so I give them credit. I give them props. You know, like I said, we, we did a rant. So now I want to turn around and say kudos and congrats and appreciate 
uh, what they did on that. So there you go. That was the PSA. We do actually have three orders in with them now. Two of them are in the final QA, so we should be getting grades on those any day, and those should be shipped out. So I'm looking forward to seeing what what those are going to be. And then the third orders in grading. That third orders are it's a bunch of 1971 Topps baseball. We've got the complete set. Had several, I don't know, 30 or so cards in with them to get graded, and so those are still in grading. But I'm looking forward to getting the other two back pretty soon. Let's see what else. We had a big Nashville card show. That was one thing we did. That was actually on your birthday. That was one thing that you did. That was one thing I did. Well, it was on your birthday, so you know. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, it's fun, but not necessarily exactly how, what you wanted to go spend on your birthday. So, but anyway, but yeah, I went to the show with a buddy of mine, and uh, it was a fun show. It was a huge show, over 700 tables, and got to see a lot of, you know, Steve Greenberg from Greeny Sports Cards, got to see Chris Kelsey from Nash Cards, and Nate from Grand Slam Collectibles. They were all there. Several other uh, dealers that we've worked with in the past were there. So it was a lot of fun talking with them, a lot of fun seeing all the different cards that everybody had. It was very busy. The The feedback I was getting, you know, from I was talking to a lot of dealers about how the show was going. The feedback I was getting from a lot of them was that Friday it was absolutely packed. Saturday was maybe felt a little light in comparison to past shows. However, some of that I think was because of the size of the show. Over 700 tables, probably almost double, maybe not quite double the number of tables they had at the last show. There was a whole nother room that they had opened up at the um, the fairgrounds, and and so if you would have taken everybody that was in that other room and consolidated them into the main room, which is the only part I, in the last show they didn't have that second area; they just had the main area. I think if you put everybody in the main area, it would have been packed, absolutely packed. But I think the fact that it was such a larger show made it maybe feel like it was a little more thinned out than normal. So, and then Sunday, you know, Sundays are always tough because a lot of the dealers pack up early, and that was the case. I think the show was supposed to go to maybe 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and by by noon, I'd say half the dealers were already getting packed up and, and heading out. Um, there are some deals to be had. I did go back on Sunday and actually ended up buying, well, trading um, for, for several cards. And, and you can sometimes in those last days when people are packing up and not wanting to necessarily take stuff back home with them you can get some pretty good deals i feel good about some of the stuff we got we we've been posting some of this on social media but i picked up this was from steve greenberg greeny sports cards got a uh, a pmg uh, it's a college uniform of joe namath it's a red pmg uh and precious metal gems and this one serial the red is serial number to 100 and college uniform of Joe Namath is he, he went to Notre Dame. So as I was editing this, I noticed that I kept saying Joe Namath. That was obviously not the case. Joe Namath did not go to Notre Dame. And I know that the card was of Joe Theismann and Joe Theismann did go to Notre Dame. So I don't know how to brain lapse there, which I guess happens from time to time, but wanted to make that correction. And with that, we will go back to the show. And obviously the significance there, my, my grandfather, your great-grandfather, was a professor in Notre Dame for many, many years. And when I was a kid, I've got a lot of fond memories of visiting South Bend. And I got a chance to run across the field at Notre Dame when I was a little kid, play at the Notre Dame golf course, just a lot of fond memories. So when I saw Steve had that, I was like, I, I got to have that. He got, gave me a good deal on it. And then picked up a couple of Broncos cards. One was an autograph card of John Lynch in his Broncos uniform because he also played for 
Tampa and may have played for one other team I can't remember before he retired but you don't see a lot of autographs of John Lynch he's a Hall of Famer like I said it's in his Bronco uniform and it was really inexpensive I think it was I think I paid maybe 30 bucks nice. for it and so I was like yeah I'll, I'll do that that's that's great and then I picked up a couple of uh, of uh, Javante Williams now he's unfortunately tore his ACL so he's out with a knee injury for this season but I like him I think he's a stud running back I'm hoping he can come back healthy next year and have a good season and a long career but I picked he that had a couple of autograph cards of his one serial numbered um, the other not but uh, and so I picked both those up again pretty inexpensive I think it was like 20 bucks for for both of them something like that so it's fairly inexpensive to get a couple of his autos and I hadn't I hadn't had any of his autos in the collection so happy about that and then some other cards I ended up trading for and I brought some cards to you that's the beauty of this hobby is you don't necessarily need cash you can use your cards as currency and so I did and um, I finally got myself a Tiger Woods rookie I know this is a you know highly prevalent commodity type card because there's like something like 12,000 of these in the pop count it's the 2001 upper deck it's a PSA 10 it's the number one card in the set he's in his his championship red shirt or it's kind of a maroon shirt I guess pointing at the cup holding his putter after he sank a putt um, classic or iconic card in my opinion like I said there's you know over 12,000 of these so commodity card but I've always wanted I haven't owned one I wanted to have one in the personal collection and the cards come down in value. It was it was up around three to four hundred dollars for quite some time. It's come down more into the two two fifty range. So I was able to pick that up for a trade. I did a trade on that one to get it, which was nice. And then uh, some of the ones I've talked about on this show that I was I was hoping to get one. I was hoping to pick up a couple of LeBron rookies. I've wanted to get a Steph Curry rookie, and so I did. I got a Steph Curry rookie. I like this one because he's. He's in his Golden State uniform, and he's on the court, and it's sort of an action shot. You know, so there's a couple of his rookies that all it is is basically a mug shot. And I'm not a—I I mean, look, those—they're great, but I'm—I don't—I just—I like the design of this card a lot better. This is the Panini Prestige. It's in a PSA 10. The pop count's not super high on that. And then I got a couple of bronze. I got an 03 LeBron Upper Deck MVP pop count. It's a PSA 10. Pop count's probably around 1100, give or take. I got a 03 Upper Deck uh, Star Rookie in a PSA 10. Pop count on that is only about, I think, 325. So low pop on that. Surprisingly low pop. And it's partly because it's got a, the background on it is a black and a dark red. And so that's hard to get a good grade because, the, you know, the, the black tends to show any little chip or edge in the, in the or, um, you know, or uh, what am I saying, chip or... Um, scratch yeah scratch or any kind of whitening or anything like that uh, on the edges and the corners and, and so anyway so pick that up and I actually traded um, for those cards and I got some cash I had uh, this was actually an interesting strategy so remember that Dennis Rodman I had the rookie right. it was an 88 mm-hmm. Fleer it was a PSA 10 sent it in to get graded came back at 10 it's a valuable card low pop but I decided, you know, I have the whole set, and I decided I wanted to use that card as some currency. And so what I did at the suggestion of a friend, a buddy of mine, said, why don't you just go get like a PSA? Because I have a lot, some other cards in the, and I have that whole set, and several of the other cards are graded nine. So like, why don't you just go get a nine? So then you keep the set together, and then you can get rid of the 10 and get something else. So that's what I did. I got a nine Rodman for, this was probably, a, I don't know, a month or more ago now. Paid, I think, 100 bucks. 
and which is you know was at the time under comps i think that card was selling for 120 150 bucks something like that so got a good deal on it kept that with the set so now i've got the complete set with the rodman nine then that allowed me to go use the 10 as currency so i did that at the show i, I exchanged the 10 i got these lebron rookies and i also got some cash back and then with the cash i went out and got this justin verlander rookie which is one i've been wanting to get in the world series we'll talk about him a little bit later but this is the 2005 tops it's in a psa 10 again you could call it a commodity card pop count's not i forget what the pop count is not incredibly high but not low i think it's i want to say maybe 1100 something like that 1300 somewhere in there i can't remember exactly but not a terribly expensive card um around 300 bucks give or take i think last few sales have been maybe 350 but so got a good deal on that and like i said use the 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 cash i got back in a in a trade um to go ahead and get that card so there you go those are the those are the cards added to the collection of the nashville card show it was a good show it's a fun show i do think the next time they need to reduce the number of tables though but uh, anyway, we'll get into that. We're gonna, I'm going to try to bring a couple of the dealers that we talked to there. Going to try to have an interview, get do, bring them on for a guest interview in a future show, so that a uh, um, couple of them go to a lot of shows. Like they're going to be in the Dallas show, the next one coming up, and go to a lot of shows. And so I figure we can have them on, and they can give us the what it's like. You know, give us the uh, the state of the card show market and how shows are going, and kind of you know what the trend has been like over the last year or so. All right. Okay. What else we got? Um, World Cup is coming up. Yeah. Just mentioned that, I suppose. Yeah. November 20th, it starts, goes through December 18th. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up, partly just because kind of remind folks that's coming up, I would think there's going to start to be more interest in soccer cards. It doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like it's happened yet. Maybe a little surprising. So maybe it's not going to be, you know, have quite the impact that a lot of people were thinking. But I will say this, one thing to watch is the pricing on Panini's National Treasures that they just released not that long ago on the what their road to Qatar World Cup, FIFA World Cup set. That's a really interesting set and checklist. There's some Pele autograph cards in there. Um, some really, some nice autos of some big names in soccer. Obviously it's National Treasures, so that's their you know, high-end brand. And when it first came out, the pricing was, in my opinion, too expensive. It came out, I think, at just under 4000 for a box, you know, 10 or 11 cards in a box. But since then, it's really come way down. And I saw at the card show, I've, and, and even online, I've seen boxes being offered for around $2,000 now, which is still expensive, and I have not pulled the trigger to buy those. But it's one to watch because if that keeps coming down in value, it's it's tempting to maybe you know, pick one of those up uh, with the World Cup coming up. Because like I said, there's some really interesting, uh, that's an interesting checklist and some interesting autos in there that you've got a chance at, at pulling. So that may be one to keep an eye on. You know, pricing in the in the market in general is still, you know, it's soft. And, you know, I think just going through kind of the typical pattern that you see, some of the oversaturations hurting the market, we're seeing, you know, too many of the same cards just constantly being offered in auctions and so forth. And so some of that needs to, to wane a little bit in order for the market, market to, uh, you know, to find a bottom and stabilize a little bit. Here's what I find, here's what I think is interesting. The, I've, I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts as I always do. And just, you know, and also just in social media and other content that some different folks put out in the hobby. And I will say this, and I'm not going to mention any names per se, but 
there are some influence what I'll call influencers. I guess you know I don't like that. I hate that word, but I don't know what else you want. I mean, what do you want? Name people, figureheads in the hobby, maybe influencers. Um, but there's some that are out there that have been now like really um, like be all of a sudden now they're telling everyone to sell. And, and maybe and maybe it's not quite as aggressively sell, but certainly telling everyone, hey, I wouldn't buy anything here. I'd be really cautious, you know, to sell what you, this, that, the other. And I find it interesting because, you know, very few, a year ago, those same people were telling people to buy, <laughs> you know. And it's like, where, you know, you just have to be careful who you listen to. I mean, first of all, hopefully you're not getting any sort of investment or collecting advice from you know influencers or or marketing people or people like us right i mean i guess in some ways i don't consider us an influencer we just like to get on here and talk about sports and sports cards and stuff but and we try to provide maybe a little bit of guidance and advice or at least give our opinions but everyone needs to you know do their own thing but it's just i just find it interesting because it's like the time you know and that's why when we look and we did our one year anniversary show we played that clip from i think it was back in january of this year where we said hey people need to be cautious at the market and I and I remember there were some people out there that were kind of making fun of people that said be cautious like oh what are you looking at? these guys don't know what they're talking about and this kind of thing well guess what markets pretty much come straight down over the last year and while those folks were telling everyone to buy buy and the market's fine and we're not seeing any trouble no declines no nothing now all of a sudden now the market's down it's been you know cut in half or more depending on which card you look at right and now all of a sudden, those same people are like, man, I wouldn't buy anything here. It's sell this, sell that. I wouldn't buy. Be cautious. And I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, look, I'm not, saying, I'm, I'm not saying now's the time to buy. But although, I mean, I do think there's some interesting values, you know, starting to crop up with the declines in prices. And so, I, you know, hey, I, I think that if you wanted to sell, the time to sell and be cautious was 6 to 12 months ago, not now. Um, maybe now you just kind of keep sitting on your hands if you're not comfortable because there's probably a little further more that can you know decline we can get with some again I think we're at the point now where the market or the the hobby in the market is going to be more differentiated it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all approach you know so it's not going to be the hey or, or like they say in the stock market right a, li- a rising tide lifts all boats or when the tide goes out you see who's swimming naked I don't think it's going to be everything's going to go up and everything's going to go down i think we're now getting to a point where you start to get some differentiation right and you start to things go up and down for good reason and i think that's a healthy place to be and i do think there's some opportunities right now to pick your spots look we just you know like i said at the card show i just picked up what one two three four five six seven eight you know ten cards give or take and i frankly think i got good values on all of them now might they go down in value sure they might, and that's not going to bother me if they do. But I actually, you know, I think there's probably just as good of chance that two years, a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, they're going to be quite a bit higher in value than what I, you know, paid for them or what the value was that I got them for in a trade. Um, so, you know, look, that's just my personal opinion. But I do think there are spots. We're going to talk about this um, a little bit later. Or maybe, you know, we can get into a little bit of this now, I guess. Um, now we'll we'll save it. We'll, we'll we'll get it when we talk about some of the goats. Um, well, no, I guess I can do that now. We can do that now. Jump into that now. So I mean, we have not said this this statement in a while, and that is some of the goats 
in sports are getting to the point where their card values are interesting. You know, for the longest time, the GOAT, LeBron, Jordan, um, who else? You know, Kobe, um, I don't know, Bill Russell, uh, Tom Brady. A lot of those players' cards were just so expensive. But now, over the last year or so, they've really come down to value to the point where, you know, they kind of look interesting. I mean, I'm not, I think there could still be some downside in some of the cards. I think you have to pick your spots. However, let's give a couple examples. Let's look at Tom Brady. His 2000 Bowman Chrome, you know, popular one, see it all over the place. It's down now to around $8,600, give or take, in a PSA 10. Still expensive, right? That's a lot of money. But that's down from twenty to $25,000 a year or so ago. And it's back down to the pricing that we last saw in the summer of 2020. And the pop count on that one's about 1100 A little high. But if the price on that keeps coming down, you know, that's one I'd put on my radar because... He's having a down season. We'll talk about that when we get to the film study. Um, but And that was another call we made. Said we thought Brady might have overstayed his welcome. We'll see. That's still you know half the season left to play. LeBron's another one. Let's look at his 2003 Topps Chrome Refractor in a PSA 9. Pop count on that's 356. There's 174 that are higher that got the 10. But it's down to now, again, very expensive, $10,000, $11,000 in that range. Very expensive, but that's down again from twenty to twenty-five thousand a year or so ago. And get this, the peak on that card. Now, granted, this peak was, you know, these were bubble prices. Probably not going to see them again, ever, or at least in a very, very long time. But there was a point back in spring of twenty-one. I think that's when that was when that card traded for sixty to seventy thousand dollars. And you know, then it came down to twenty to twenty-five, and it was in that range for a while. Well, now it's down to ten. You know, again, expensive. Maybe it still comes down a little more, but that's a big drop. And we haven't seen that that the, these prices since the spring of 2020, basically right around COVID. When you know, a little after COVID, I think it was maybe May, April, May of of 2020. Last time we saw these kind of prices on that card. So another one that could be an interesting one to watch, maybe an interesting opportunity. Bill Russell, his 1957 tops. I used a PSA six. But it, you could use kind of any grade. That one has a little more pop count, so a few more sales that have happened on it to be able to gauge the pricing. But it's down to around thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars. Again, very very expensive. Don't get me wrong; these are expensive cards. However, that card was over sixty thousand dollars at its peak, and same kind of thing as LeBron. It was in the twenty to thirty thousand dollar range over the last couple of years. If you take out that peak that went over sixty, so. It's down a lot. The Jordan 86 Fleer. I know everyone talks about how prevalent it is, you know, over 300, whatever, in PSA 10s. But look at the SGC 10. The SGC 10 is now down to around 60 to $70,000. Remember, the PSA 10 was, was selling around 200. Well, the PSA 10s come down. I think the last sale I saw on that was in the 150 to $170,000 range. But that SGC 10 is in the 60 to $70,000 range. That SGC 10 was upwards of 180 to 200,000 a while back. And you could pick almost any grade level on that um, on that Michael Jordan 86 Fleer card and the decline is is kind of similar but you know starting to get to a point where like I said we haven't said this in a long forever really since we've been doing the show that you know the rookie cards and the more expensive cards of some of these goats were interesting we've and just the opposite we've been kind of like ah, those are too expensive probably got to avoid those 
well, now things are looking interesting. And I just think it's interesting that some of the more popular, you know, influencers out there, figureheads, whatever you want to call them, are literally telling you to stay away from some of these names and they wouldn't be buying them. Well, where was that call a year ago? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so anyway, it's, there's some, you know, look, I, again, I'm not saying jump in and buy all that stuff right now. I do think they could have a little further to fall, but that said, um, I, I personally, I, I, they're, they're ones to watch. Like I said, I picked up a couple long. Now these were the lesser expensive LeBron rookies. They weren't cheap, but they're not like his, you know, tops refractor in terms of value. But I do think there's some LeBron cards. And we talked about this a show or two ago where some of his stuff looks like it's starting to find, you know, maybe a bottom, a floor here where it's stabilizing a little bit. And obviously he's going to be chasing Kareem's all-time scoring record this year and I realize there's some people that have different opinions on LeBron and so he can be some somewhat of a polarizing character um, or person I don't understand how that's still like a thing now I really don't yeah I mean it, it's not I'm literally not, I, I the only wanna... criticism you could like I feel like you could possibly have of him is how he handled the decision <laughs> like otherwise he is like probably one of the best like role models i think in terms of being a great basketball player and a great person like i don't understand some people it's it i think some people i look and i don't want to get into it that's not what we do on our show because i think what it is is some it's his, sometimes his political views that there are people oh. that disagree with his political views I see. and so you know and look i'm not i don't know Whatever, i haven't i haven't followed so i couldn't say if i agree or disagree with his views because i haven't Who followed cares? everything he said but i know that I think, you know, sometimes when you get some of the, these athletes and celebrity figures that get outspoken on political views, it can some it can be a little polarizing and create some, you know, some controversy, like we like to say. And so I think, you know, some people look at that. But look, I think, you know, there, there's no doubting that LeBron is one of the goats. Again, I don't think you can say there's just one goat in basketball. I really don't. I think, like you've mentioned yeah. before, goats you almost have to look at era. Yeah, goats of eras. You know, because you're going to deny Bill Russell's a goat. Are you going to deny Michael Jordan's a goat? Are you going to deny LeBron, you know, James is a goat? I don't think you can deny any of that, right? LeBron's going to likely become the all time leading scorer of the NBA. How is that not a goat status, right? So, anyway, so I, I just think, you know, longer term, it's it's kind of interesting there. So, um, anyway, but there you go. Uh, just kind of little, I guess, wanted to give a little opine a little bit on some of the things happening in the market and some of the values that we're seeing in some of the cards. Let's talk real quick about our fantasy football portfolio, card okay. portfolio. We haven't done that on, in a couple in a while, and uh, we're doing okay, all things considered. Thank, thankfully to our short sales. Where's that? Let me get that sheet out. Sorry if you hear some paper crumpling here. But so net net in total, we are up about what is that? Ninety bucks, so five percent, a little less than a hundred dollars. Ninety nine, so little actually ninety nine dollars and forty cents. So we're up about a hundred bucks, which is about a five percent return. That's not bad, considering where the market's been. Now, here's how that splits. Our shorts. Remember, we shorted the Mac Jones, the Joe Burrow, and the Josh Allen. Remember, when you short sell, you're betting the value is going to go down. Our shorts are up almost 38%. We made 700 and let's call it $45 on our shorts, but we have lost $645 on our longs. We're down 16% on those. A lot of that is really market-driven. Some of it's some injuries to a couple of key players. Some of it is performance. There's one or two players in there that uh, the performance hasn't been great, so that's probably factoring in. But uh, net-net, but like I said, up about 100 bucks. Big winners, Mac Jones short, Joe Burrow short, uh, 
you know, those are the two big ones. And then Christian McCaffrey. Remember, that was a big loser last time we talked about it. Now that he got traded the 49ers, his card values have really turned around. And so we've got the 2017 Donruss Optic Hollow in a PSA 10. We bought four of those at an average price of around 105 bucks. The average price on that now is in the mid $160 range. So we've got a nice, you know, 60 plus percent return there. The other big gain we've got, which makes sense given his performance on the field, is A.J. Brown, receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are undefeated on the season. We've got a 35% return there. Then we've got some big losers. Now, the losers make sense. Derek Carr, that was a bad call. I thought Carr could be a sleeper this year with Devontae Adams and the Raiders looking like a pretty good team, but they are they are not living up to expectations. And Carr, Carr's uh, rookie card, we had the 2014 Tops Chrome. And that one is down about 66%. Ouch. Lost $138 on that one so far. And then some of the other losers make sense. Russell Wilson, right? I'm not not living up to expectations as well. Jonathan Taylor, who's been injured. Devontae Adams, who's Derek Carr's teammate. Maybe not doing as well as people thought. So those are kind of our, our bigger losers. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Now, I am going to announce some changes. We're going to transact. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to cover our entire short position on Mac Jones. And so right now we've got a $381.48 gain. We shorted that at an average price of $97.83. We did seven cards on it. So it was a total um, investment of just under $700. And the current price is $43.33. So we're going to buy back the seven cards and cover that short and cash those gains in. I'm also going to sell Christian McCaffrey. We got the big pop. We got traded to the 49ers. So I'm going to take advantage of that. We're up 60%. We're going to sell. We've got four cards in PSA 10s of the 2017 Donruss Optic and Hollow. I'm going to sell those and capture that gain. And then what else? We Oh, we're going to sell A.J. Brown. We're up 35% on A.J. Brown. And so we've got his 2019 Panini Prism base in a PSA 10. So we are going to sell that one. That's about a $75 gain. And then we're going to buy a card. We're going we're gonna to dollar cost average here in Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott's card, we've got his 2016 Don Russ Optic. We did the base in a PSA 10, pop counts 907. We bought two of those at an average price of 115. It's down to an average price of about $82. So we're down about 28%. So I'm going to dollar cost average and buy one more of those at that price because I think Dallas, I think his card values could potentially rebound because Dallas, with him being back, Dallas is looking like, you know, they've got a good shot to go. The playoffs might make a run, and so I think there's maybe some opportunity there with his stuff. So going to buy a card in dollar cost average. Also going to short sell one card. Going to short sell. And I can't believe I'm doing this because I really like this player. And one of my, in fact, he's on my, he's my quarterback on my fantasy football team, and that is uh, Jalen Hurts. Going to short sell his 2020 Panini Prism Silver in a PSA 10. The average of the last three sales is $975. So we are going to short sell one of those and add that to the portfolio. That is up, by the way. That's almost doubled. That was, I think, a four to $500 card just maybe three to six months ago. Yeah. So look, Eagles are doing great. Hertz is doing great. I think he's a great quarterback. However, if we've, been, if we've learned one thing over the last couple of years, it's anytime you get these big spikes, right? AKA Aaron Judge, 
aka you know who else i don't know it's it's it feels like it's happened over and over several times you get these big spikes by these lamar lamar maybe yep they have these nice performances on the field and then it doesn't sustain so gonna take the opposite trade on that one and short sell jalen hurts now i am considering i'm not gonna pull the trigger yet but i'm considering buying a derrick henry rookie card because some of his stuff's coming down and so if it keeps coming down and in value i think i might buy derrick henry titans are in a good place first place in their division i think they're what third in the afc probably going to be headed to the playoffs i think if derrick henry stays healthy could be some interesting opportunity in his stuff but so there you go there's our uh, fantasy sports card portfolio and some of the moves and the transactions we're going to make in it all right you want to do jersey numbers yeah let's do jersey numbers all right 56 today basically all nfl <laughs> Yeah, it was. There weren't a lot of uh, players in the other sports that wear fifty-six. Yeah, but we did have uh, one, two, three, four, five Hall of Famers. Okay, starting Solid. with yeah, starting with uh, Ted Hendricks, linebacker, defensive end, kind of played both positions. I think for the Raiders, fifteen seasons. He actually started with the Colts, got traded to the Packers. The Packers didn't sign him to a long-year deal, so after being one year with them. He went and signed with the Raiders. Played 215 consecutive regular season games. Was an absolute stud. His rookie card, by the way, is in the 1972 set in tops. And then uh, the next one, you you got to meet this guy. Yes. Lawrence Taylor. Mm-hmm. He was at the one of the Nashville card shows last year that we went to. Got to meet him, get him autograph a couple of cards. First round pick for the New York Giants. He was the second player overall selected in the 1981 draft. Spent his entire career with the Giants. It's, again, that's not something you see very often anymore. Players spending their whole career. Won a couple of Super Bowls. His rookie card's a popular one. It's in the 1982 top set in high grade. Commands pretty decent value. And then, obviously, he was a linebacker. Yep. Andre Tippett. Andre Tippett, yep. Played 11 seasons, all with the Patriots. So, again, a couple, couple guys here played their entire career with one team. Was a linebacker. Finished his career with 100 sacks. Rookie cards in the 1984 sets. Bill Hewitt. Hewitt. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly, yeah, he was supposedly known for his stubborn refusal to wear a helmet. This was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah. He played back in the 1930s. Played both ways, offense and defense. I don't think you've seen that. He was a wide really receiver. Since and maybe I think a defensive end not a lot of cards in fact I, I couldn't really find anything from back in his era there are some newer cards 80s and 90s some cards of him but couldn't really find much on him Chris Dolman is another one Hall of Fame linebacker defensive end fourth overall pick in the 1985 draft played 15 seasons most of them with Minnesota he had 21 sacks in 1989 single season record at the time I think uh, TJ Watt just broke the season single record right of 22 or 23, something like that. Maybe. I thought he just tied it. Maybe it was a tie. I don't know. But Chris Dolman has over 150 sacks total for his career. Missed only two games in his career. 15 season, missed only two games. Very durable. His rookie card, I think, is in the 1988 top set. And then nobody in the NBA or WNBA that I could find. Yeah. It's 56. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. In baseball... I mean, a few guys, but really the biggest name I think I could find was Mark Burley. Played 16 years, most of them for the Shy Sox. Had over 200 wins. His rookie cards in the 2000 sets. And then in hockey, you can only really find one player as well. Not not a huge name necessarily, but uh, 
Sergey Zubov. Zubov. <laughs> right. I'm sure I butchered that last name. Um, Zubov. He was drafted by the Rangers. Uh, mostly played with Dallas, though. His jersey actually, he got his re- jersey retired by Dallas. He's a Moscow native from Russia. And his rookie cards in the 1992 sets. All right. That's about it. Not a ton. Hall yeah. of Famers, though, I suppose. So who would you go with as your um, best athlete to wear 56? Lawrence Taylor. Looks like he's the only one that won championships. Well, that's not true. I just didn't put it in the notes. Oh. I think Ted Hendricks won one or two with the Raiders. Um, Tippett, Tippett did not win one, and I'm not sure. Well, Hewitt won. I think Hewitt was part of the very first NFL championship back in 19, like 32 or 33. Okay, then Hewitt. Really? Yep. <laughs> Cause why? Because he wouldn't refuse to wear a helmet? Yeah, I was kind of looking for an excuse to say him, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, if you go Hewitt, then I'll go LT. Okay. Lawrence Taylor. There you go. Best athletes to wear uh, number 56. All right. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the halftime report then. All right, well, we can, let's move through this fairly quickly. We'll just yeah. cover – we got a couple weeks where the hobby news, and maybe not surprisingly – a lot of grading company news. A lot of grading company news. Um, we've talked about this a lot, about how the competition's going to keep heating up and you're going to see them continue to try to, you know, beat the other guy out, drop prices, do whatever they can. Uh, and we saw that here. So PSA, PSA announced a modern sports card bulk grading special for $15 per card with a 10-card minimum cards from 1996 to present that have a declared value of $199 or less and this is a limited time offer it's only available to their collectors club members and turnaround times estimated to be 120 days all right um, PSA also announced an organizational realignment as they described it where Kevin uh, Lenane who has served as PSA president for the past year is taking on the role of vice president of sales uh, Kevin will transition to his new role where they said he would maintain his strong relationships with the PSA dealer community while remaining on the East Coast. Yeah, and then Ryan Hogue, I think, is I don't know if that's the right pronunciation of his last name. Hopefully we got that right. He joined the company in July of 2021 as their chief product officer, and he's going to become PSA's new president. They said he was a lifelong card collector. He previously worked at Microsoft for 16 years. He led the product team at PSA, was instrumental in the the successful launch, easy for me to say, of the collector's vault in July. And then Eric Horn, who's the vice president of product management, is going to take over the leadership of the product team from Ryan Hogue. And Eric was previously with Amazon for nine years and then also has led the collector's customer experience product team since he joined in September 2021. So anyway, what all these moves mean, I have no idea. But it is, it's kind of interesting because Kevin was not in the role of president for very long. I don't know. So, yeah. So anyway, maybe we can have someone from PSA do an interview on the show at some point and maybe talk a little more about kind of what they're doing in that regard. But then we got all the other grading companies jumped in with some announcements. Right. So Beckett announced some grading specials. Um, they said that they're going to have, now have a collector's special with subgrades, which is going to be a $22 per card and minimum 10 card order with 30 to 60 day turnaround time for cards from 
1981 to present, which is going to be a limited time offer. Yeah, and they also announced that they're going to do a special just like that without subgrades. If you don't want subgrades, you can get it for $16 a card instead of the $22 a card. This is going to be a 40 card or more minimum, or excuse me, yeah, 40 card or more minimum. But if you want to do less, there's a 20 card minimum that you can do for $18 a card. So 40 cards or more, 16 bucks. 20 cards up to 40 would be 18 bucks a card. Also going to be at that 30 to 60 day turnaround time and also for cards from 1981 to present and also a limited time offer. So we don't know when that's going to expire. All right, Beckett also announced their new service levels, um, economy, standard, express, and premium with prices ranging from 20 to $200 per card depending on the service level and whether or not you get subgrades. Turnaround times can vary from two days to 45 days. Yeah, so and if you want more, we're not going to give all the specifics on everything because that would just take too much time. But if you want more details on all the service levels and the pricing and everything else, you can just go to their website. All these companies have all of their service levels and pricing and turnaround times and all that stuff posted on their website. Um, Beckett also announced that they're no longer going to be showing autograph grades. I thought this was interesting. Lower than a 10 in the slab. So this is the way I understood it. So if you don't get a 10 on the auto, they're not going to put it on the slab. So the slab will only show 10s. The auto is still going to be graded. It will be available to view online when you look up the cert number, but it won't be on the slab. I thought that was kind of odd. It's weird. But, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get the reasoning. I mean, I think there are some collectors that, you know, they just don't want to see grades that aren't a 10. But if you're still grading it, and I don't know, it's just kind of a weird thing. All right, Beckett had a lot of news this week as they also announced that they are now accepting submissions for VHS grading and for ticket authentication and grading and their vault service is also now open. Yeah, and then they also announced they're hiring graders. So if you're interested in becoming a grader, you can reach out to them. Get this, they're offering a $10,000 signing bonus for senior graders. So obviously, if you're a senior grader, you're with one of the other grading companies, I would think. So it's kind of an interesting attempt to maybe try to attract graders from the competition. And like we said, it's going to be interesting to kind of watch the competition heat up and continue to uh, you know, work amongst these different grading companies. And then HGA had some news. Yeah, they announced a new membership program um, where any customers that have previously submitted an order will receive their gold membership for free, and they will offer a platinum membership for a fee. Membership benefits include no order minimum, no declared value limit, subgrades on every card, money back guarantee on turnaround times, and grading fees for as low as $18 per card. Um, and that's for a 60 turnaround time with the platinum membership 60 day turnaround time yeah with that platinum membership so yeah so there you go so there's all the grading company news and then oh did we have csg in here no did i mention them where'd they go because they did um did we miss csg i don't see them they're not in here i must have took them out but uh oh there they are yeah so i did have them in there because csg did announce it's it's 3.11 yeah CSG announced that uh, they've also extended their grading discounts. Remember, they announced 20% discounts on all service levels, and I think that was good until, I don't know, end of October or November, something like that. Well, they now extended that to where that's going to be good through the end of the year. So there you go. Everyone's competing. Everyone's bringing down pricing. (laughs) It's a good good time if you want to get some cards graded for decent value. All right, and then Collectible received a buyout offer for their Sadaharu O, uh, Japanese and English, signed game used bat. Uh, the offer was for $25,000. The asset was trading at about 19000 prior to the offer, but the offer was rejected. 
the asset came public a little over a year ago at a value of just over $25,000. Yeah, and several buyout offers on the fractional front with Collectible. They also got a buyout offer for their basket of the 1975 Tops and Opeachy Gary Carter rookie cards. Those were both graded 10 by PSA. The offer was for $45,000. It was trading around $39,000 at the time of the offer. Came public over a year ago at about $39,000. The offer was rejected. It might have been, I don't, it's interesting, a PSA 10, a single PSA 10, remember this was, these were two cards, the Tops and the Opeachy, but a single Tops PSA 10 just sold on the PWCC platform for $37,200, so I'm sure that influenced the rejection of that offer. All right, and then Collectible also received a buyout offer for their 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle graded 8 by PSA. It was for $1.4 million, and it was trading for just under $1.2 million prior to the offer. It came public almost two years ago at a value of just under 500000 The offer was rejected by shareholders. Yeah, um, and full disclosure, I do own some shares in this one on Collectible. Right. Um, the rejection may have been influenced by the fact that Heritage has a PSA 8 up for auction now, and the current bid... Um, as of today, is $1.2 million with about two weeks left to bid. Yeah, so you would think that with two weeks still left that that's going to probably, I don't know, we'll see, but you would think it's going to exceed that $1.4 million. You know, it's interesting. You look at Collectible, at their platform. They've got several assets that have taken a pretty big dip over the last week or so. And, it, and so it's one of those ones that, again, may be worth watching. There's that, we talked about the 86 Fleer uh, Michael Jordan rookie and an SGC 10. Well, they have that one on their platform, and I think it's dropped to maybe the mid $60,000 range. Remember that Muhammad Ali belt where there were two of them? And yeah. I think the owner of the Colts, Ursay, uh, I think it was, I forget exactly, but had bought one for I don't know, several million dollars. Collectible has one on their platform that spiked. It was trading in maybe a couple hundred thousand or something, spiked to well over a million. Well, it's come all the way back down now to I think it's around 400,000, give or take. There's a Ricky Henderson PSA 10 that's come way down in value. There's a 58 Tops Roger Maris in a PSA 9 that's selling on Collectible's platform for quite a bit under what recent comps have been. The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, remember that one we talked about? Yeah. They've got that one in a PSA 10 that's selling for lower than comps. There's a This is an, a, kind of an important one, really, or, or an iconic one, I guess. Important one for serious collectors. They're the 48 Bowman George Mikan in a PSA 7. Uh, there's a 57 Tops Johnny Unitas, which is his rookie, in a PSA 8. Uh, there's a 2003 Upper Depth Exquisite Basketball Hobby Box. That's a big hobby box. Some of the um, really valuable card potential to get some valuable cards in there. So there's several things on their site that are trading and it really, you know, values that we have not seen for a long time, and in many cases, at values that are quite a bit under recent sales of those same items. So it's something to keep your eye on. Now, to be fair, it goes the other way, right? There's still several items on their platform that are still trading at values that are higher than where recent comps and sales have been. So you kind of have to do your homework, but if you do your homework and have some patience, I think there's some interesting opportunities on that platform. All right. Um, you want to do record sales? Yeah, let's do some card ladder record sales. Start off with a 2019 Panini Flawless Football Hobby Box. This was uh, sold for $6,500 on eBay. And then a lot of the this stuff, you know, 2005, we're going to talk about this in the film study. 2005 Upper Deck Young Guns Alexander Ovechkin. This was in an SGC 10. It sold for $4,200 via eBay. And then Joe Montana's rookie card, 1981 tops in an SGC 9.5 sold for 7500 on eBay. Nice to see some SGC graded cards, you know, making some records uh, sales here. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts, who we just talked about. 2020 Panini Don Russ Optic. Jalen Hurts downtown insert in a PSA 10. Sold for record $2,325. And then here's one, a Kobe Bryant. Good to see Kobe back on the list. It was the, the 2016 Panini Excalibur. This, that's the set there that has the Kaboom in it. This was the Kaboom card. It was in a PSA 10. It sold for $5,520 on PWCC. And then a 1979 Topps Willie Stargell in a PSA 9 sold for $440. I know uh, our the guest host, third man in, Dale Plum, I think is a Willie Stargell fan, so he'd be interested to hear that. Lots of vintage making records, lots of Mickey and you know Jackie Robinson, and lots of Josh Allen making records, Aaron Judge, Albert Pujols, Bryce Harper, um, even some Michael Jordan, right? Just not the 86 Fleer, but there were several other, because Michael Jordan's got a lot of different cards and there were several of his maybe more off the beaten path cards that were setting some records. And then a couple other interesting ones that I thought there was 19. This is one that I have been looking to add to my collection. I do not have it yet, but it's a 1959 Tops Jim Brown. That's his second year card. His rookies in the 58 Tops. This was in a PSA six and a half, and it sold for $743 via eBay. And the last two will do 2005 Upper Deck The Cup Sidney Crosby. The Cup is. I guess what I would call, I don't know if it's fair to call it this, but like the National Treasures, what National Treasures is to basketball and football for Panini, the cup is to for upper deck to hockey, right, I think. Okay. Anyway, so this was an RPA, his rookie patch auto, serial number to 99, graded by BGS, 9 on the card, 10 on the auto, and it sold for $91,800 via Golden Auctions. And then there was a um, 2015 upper deck, the cup hobby box, that sealed hobby box that sold for $6,455 via eBay. I'm not sure, but I think, isn't that, is 2015 Connor McDavid's rookie year? I don't know. I'll have to look up the the checklist on that set to see um, what the big cards in there, but that might be Connor McDavid's rookie year. I can't recall off the top of my head. All right. Um, Well, if that's it, I think that does it for the Hafner Report. Um, So we can go ahead and move on to the film study. All right. Um, Do we want to start with the NFL? Yeah, let's start with the NFL. Some sad news to start. Ray Guy was a punter. Some consider to be the greatest punter ever in the NFL. He passed away this, this, I think it was this past week. And uh, he was 72 years old. I guess he was battling an illness and unfortunately passed away. He was the first punter inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame back in 2014. 23rd overall pick in the 1973 draft. He spent his entire 14-year career with the Raiders. And his rookie cards are in the 1974 top set, by the way. And I did see a bunch of sales of his cards go off after that news That news was announced. And then in some other news, Tom Brady, he's going to surpass 100,000 passing yards, including both regular season and playoff games. That'll be, I think he's like 160 yards short of that or whatever, so he's getting ready to eclipse that. That's going to be a record, uh, and that's a a milestone that many people thought would never be touched. Well, Brady's going to do it. The next guy, someone who plays. Yeah. The next person. 40 years. Yeah, exactly. The next closest person is Drew Brees, to give you an idea, who's got over 85,000, and then Peyton Manning is third. With just over seventy nine thousand. So know, that's interesting. I feel like a lot of these unbreakable records, where like you just need longevity to be able to do it, are like a lot more feasible now. Now that like people understand like how to take care of their bodies a little bit more and how to extend their career, 
I feel like you're going to see these records people thought can't be broken be broken a lot more often. It's an interesting take. Yep. Um, I can see like that. Some of these like just like huge numbers where like no one's ever going to play like long enough to pass that like yep. at a high enough level or whatever. Well, and I think you got it's a couple other factors that play into that, right? One is they're playing more games. That's true. Than they used to. But I, but that's still your points taken there though. They've got to stay healthy, right? You play yeah. more games, but you got to be healthy to play those games. And then at least in the NFL, but maybe in the NBA as well, some of the rule changes, right, that, that try to encourage more scoring, more offense, and in the case of the NFL, uh, make it easier on quarterbacks, right? I mean, you can't hit quarterbacks the way you used to, yeah. so that helps quarterbacks have more, stay healthy, right, and have more longevity. Um, so that, that could factor into it. But still, I mean, yeah, your point's a good one, but it's still, I mean, like here, I mean, look, I mean, you have Tom Brady, who's, who's the GOAT, right? There's no one even close to him, though. Right, I mean, Drew Brees at second yeah. with eighty-five thousand. That's still fifteen thousand yards away. I mean, you're talking about probably at least three more full seasons. That five thousand yards a season? No, that that's even a lot. I mean, three to four thousand yards a season is probably more realistic. So it would he he would have had to play for probably four more seasons at a high level to get to that hundred thousand yard mark. Yeah. And Drew Brees played a ton. You know, that's Peyton interesting. Manning, I gotta think of like what other records have seemed like that. Yeah. For me, it's the 15,000 assists for John Stockton. Yep. I think that one, that's another one, I think. Yeah. No, you'd, I you'd need some serious longevity to pass that. Well, and we put in the notes here, we talked about so many injuries in the NFL anyway. Football's just such a violent sport. Like you said, longevity and health are key, and it's hard for players to stay healthy um, in the NFL these days, I think. You know, they yeah they do a good job of and probably have better understanding of how to take care of their bodies, but it's also so football's different yeah. than other sports. Football is way more uncontrollables than That's other true. sports. I think yeah. You know, I had on here. We won't get into this too much. Maybe another time we can kind of talk about this take. But this idea of parity, I I, I wonder if it's good for the league. You know, uh, I, I it's good for the casinos. I get that right. The betting becomes much more difficult for people. Um, when you have parity because any you know but it, it feels like there's more subpar football being played I and think, the games are not as interesting you know to- this is really actually kind of interesting because i think as the talent gets richer and like there's more great players in the league something has to give because there have to be good teams and you may be seeing that a little bit with football right now and i've kind of thought about this with the nba too like just seems like there's so many really good players and it's like i don't know how you really it's like so hard to like differentiate who's gonna be like really good and who's gonna be like not that great and like all that stuff and like i feel like that's just kind of the same in the nfl especially with all these quarterbacks yeah and you kind of get to a point where it, it really gets back to you know how well the team is made and how well the team plays together absolutely so it's it's interesting i think you may be seeing a little bit of that right now where like it's just like the talent is like extremely extremely rich and it's i don't know it just feels like it's causing a lot of like they're like anybody can be anybody you know yeah. and so like a lot of no one's like really like outclassing everybody except for like a couple of teams really so. right yeah exactly but yeah like you have a lot of like 500 like like close to 500 teams that like like if you put them on paper like on paper could probably compete for the super bowl absolutely well i don't have the standings up in front of me but i was looking at them earlier today 
and there are several divisions where, yeah, I, I think almost every team in the division is right around 500, you know. So, yeah, I, it's a good point. And there's not a lot of teams that are, that, like you said, they're separating themselves. There's only a couple, maybe the Bills, maybe the Chiefs, may, the Eagles, obviously, that are undefeated. But maybe they're the, kind of the class of the NFL. But And, look, there's some other good teams, but nobody that's necessarily separating themselves from the pack. I think the 49ers are good, maybe one to watch. The Bucks, obviously not doing Brady. I don't know. You know, some not having a great great year. Green Bay, same way. You know, Aaron Rodgers not having a great year. Got a lot of new receivers and and so forth. Dallas is looking pretty good, but still not playing. I mean, starting to you know they're starting to maybe heat up a little bit. But they last few games not necessarily playing great football per se. Uh, the Chargers, they're the Chargers. I you know Chargers have always been being a Broncos fan watch a lot of Chargers games I don't know what it is about the Chargers they've been one of the most frustrating teams I think if you're a fan of the Chargers my apologies that's a frustrating team because they have I think the Chargers have so much talent and they have they'll go out and win some just really big games against really good teams and then they'll just go lose games that you know it's like how did they lose that game yeah. <laughs> so it's just something about the Chargers um, but sure. yeah and we had the trade deadline this past week, some big trades. So, unfortunately, my beloved Broncos traded away Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. Dolphins immediately signed him to a huge five-year, $110 million extension, which I'm sure had something to do with the Broncos trading him away. My hunch is they probably knew they were not going to be able to sign him because he was in, I think, his fifth year. So, in his last year, he's going to you know, command some big money in the offseason. And so he got that extension with the Dolphins, yeah, 63.2 million of it's guaranteed. Hated to see him go. We did, however, probably get a... Probably a good move, though. Probably a necessary move. Realistically, it probably is. Uh, that's the, the business of the NFL. And we did get a first-round pick back for him. So that helps a little bit with the haul that we gave away for the Russell Wilson trade. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So... So we'll see. The the most interesting, well, two of the most interesting trades that happened that I think happened were Hawkinson, the tight end for Detroit, got traded with it, and he's a stud, absolute stud tight end. He got traded within the division to Minnesota, who's in first place. They needed a tight end because their number one tight end was injured, um, and but Hawkinson is, I mean, he is he is I think among some of the elite tight ends in the league. It's just rare that you see teams in division, in season, trading, like, and especially a top player like that. So now Detroit's going to have to face Hawkinson twice a year against their division rival, Minnesota. So I thought that was kind of an interesting trade and certainly helps Minnesota. So it just it's just strange to me that Detroit would do that. Uh, and then the other one I thought was interesting was Ridley, Calvin Ridley. Um, he, remember, he got... he. He got suspended by the league, but I think he also left, may have left the league before he got suspended because he said he was going to step away, had some mental health issues, wanted to kind of take care of that, get his mind right. And then while I think while he had stepped away, then it was uncovered that he was gambling on some games, and so the league suspended him. So he hasn't been playing, but he actually got traded. He got traded to Jacksonville. The Jaguars picked him up. That's a pretty interesting it's trade okay. to me, because when he was playing with Atlanta, he was an absolute stud wide receiver. He had I can't remember how many years he had played with. I think it was two or three. I think it was three years he had under his belt with them. But absolutely put up some huge numbers. Was a number one, clear number one wide receiver, uh, doing really well. So if if he comes back, 
that could have been one of the more interesting pickups um, at this trade deadline by the Jaguars. So we'll have to see. Let's see. We talked about Jalen Hurts cards. They've been taken off. It's in a good example, in my opinion, of where performance on the field or the court or the ice or whatever you want to say can impact card values. We mentioned his 2020 um, Panini Prism Silver in a PSA 10 that's just about doubled this year. Several of his cards, including his National Treasures RPA, have been setting records. I think we mentioned that one of his cards set a record in the card ladder record sales. Eagles are 8-0, so you know, let the undefeated season talk begin. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is they're now going to have to do it over 17 regular season games instead of 16. Dolphins, who are, you know, seven, I think it was 72 Dolphins, did a 14-game uh, regular season and then won three, off, three uh, playoff games for a total of 17 wins in their undefeated season. Who do they play next? The Eagles? Yep. I don't know. Well, they just played Houston uh, last night, and they won. Okay, who do they play next? Uh Okay, so I'm looking up their schedule. Looks like they got Washington Commanders coming up next, followed by the Colts, then the Packers, then the Titans, then the Giants, and then the Bears. And let's see, what do they got after the Bears? Then they go Cowboys, Saints, and Giants again. They will not be undefeated at the end of the season. Probably not. No. I think the Titans have a good shot at beating them. I think the Cowboys will have. That's going to be an interesting matchup with the Cowboys. And then, you know, the Giants. Play hey. New York twice. Yeah. I think that they will think they they might they could lose to Washington, man. Yeah. All right. Atlanta's first in the NFC South, a game ahead of Tampa Bay. That's probably one of the bigger surprises. Um, they've got one of the top scoring offenses in the league, 200 points, four in scoring. Uh, that's second in the NFC behind Seattle, which some people may be surprised to hear that scored 210 points this year, and ahead of the Eagles, who've got 196 points scored. Um, it's Atlanta's defense that seems to be the problem. They're third worst in points against. Only Detroit and Arizona have given up more points than Atlanta has. Marcus Mariota's been playing well for Atlanta, so his cards haven't moved a whole lot yet in value. I was looking up some of his stuff before we started recording. Not a lot of movement in his cards, but really nice to see him doing well in Atlanta and uh, anyway and so hope for the best for him I think 49ers are going to be a team to watch down the stretch McCaffrey cards obviously some of it's actually been a little more mixed there have been a few of them like the optic that we had in our fantasy card portfolio that has done really well there's been others like his national treasures that have actually moved a little lower but I think 49ers are going to be a, a tough team I'm going to call the Giants a pretender I'm sorry Giants fans I think uh I just don't know if they can sustain. One of the things I look, I know this stat is not an end all be all. You can poke all kinds of holes in this stat, but one of the stats I like to look at among the top teams are what's their point differential. And when you look at the Giants point, they have the smallest point differential of all the top teams with the better records in the league. They're just plus six in eight games, a plus six, meaning the amount of points scored minus the amount of points scored against in total. So they've only got six more points they've scored versus the amount of points scored against them. Again, I know it's not a perfect stat. It's got its shortcomings. But for the top teams, you typically see large point differentials. And um, as an example, the uh, where is it? The Bills. The Bills have a plus 105 <laughs> point differential. The Chiefs have Ridiculous. a plus 51 point differential. The Eagles are plus 78. Cowboys are plus 50, you know. Um, 
so whereas the the Giants are plus six now the Titans are another one that's interesting because I actually think Titans are not a pretender I think Titans are a good team although they do have some quarterback issues right now with Tannehill being hurt but they actually have a negative six differential but they're five and two because they record. got killed by the Bills that one game that's right like and that's points. why and that's why this point differential is not the perfect stat but it, like I said when you look at the the better team like we talked about the Bills the Chiefs and the Eagles being kind of the class of the NFL well they're plus 105 plus 51 and plus 78 respectively you know Cowboys probably next at plus 50 and then I mentioned the 49ers 49ers are only four and four but they have a plus 29 point differential um anyway so like I said not the perfect stat but it's one I like to look at to kind of maybe distinguish who are the you know pretenders or not the Giants did get to take advantage of the the curse of Tennessee losing games to missed field goals so yeah well, and that's that's a give me for the Giants, and that's kind of the point. A lot of the wins the Giants have had have been close, you know, one score or less games. Curse. And look, I mean, sometimes that's the way it happens in seasons, and they're winning those games, right? So that's that's there's you know, it's what you got to do. Um, and I will say, look, our our sake, my Saquon Bar, I'll take ownership. My Saquon Barkley call at the beginning of the season was probably one of the worst calls ever. He is absolutely studding out and having a great season. And uh, I said I wouldn't pick him up on fantasy team and that he could be a bust. And uh, that was a terrible call. So I'll own that one. So who knows? Who knows what happens? But um, Giants are going to have a tougher schedule. Like I said, they got Eagles twice coming up. And so we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, my beloved Broncos are also going to have a tough schedule. They're three and five and about to, you know, face some, you know, a really tough schedule coming up. So they're, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. But, um, uh, Saquon Barkley cards, by the way, going back to that. Let's talk about a couple of Giants cards. Um, so Saquon Barkley, kind of mixed. His Panini, he's in, uh, by the way, his rookie cards are in the 2018 sets. His Panini Prism's down. Um, the 2018 Kaboom card, raw, not graded, is actually up. His Optic Downtown is essentially flat, fluctuating between like four and $500 over the past six months in a PSA 10. So, And then Daniel Jones cards... They've moved higher, um, which makes sense. He's playing well. His, his uh, Panini Prism Silver uh, has moved from the start of the season. It was around $150, give or take, in a PSA 10. and is now over $200. So another example of performance on the field translating to some higher card values. So so good for him and, and good for the Giants. Although I just don't know if I've got the confidence that they can keep it up in the back half of the season. Should we move on and do some baseball? Yeah, let's talk about the World Series Yeah, real quick. Well, obviously, Houston now up three games to two. Game six tomorrow, Saturday. It's in Houston. Um, the big names that I'm watching, Bryce Harper. There's a lot of them, obviously, but Bryce Harper, Jordan Alvarez for Houston, Verlander. Verlander picked up his first. This is amazing to me. Finally gets a World Series win in game five that, that helped you know the Astros take that three game to two lead. He Get this. It's his ninth start career for start in a World Series game, but his first win. Prior to this, he was 0-6. Remember, because pitchers don't always get the decision, right? So he was 0-6 with a 6.07 ERA in eight World Series starts. But all that said, I mean, he's still going to go down as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Uh, He just completed an amazing season, one of the best in baseball, and he did that at the age of 39. And he said that he would like to continue to pitch for several more years. 
Um, we've, we've talked about, we picked up his 2005 Topps rookie card, which has essentially been flat over the past year, give or take. But, but it is down from the highs in 2021. Same is true for that 2006 Topps card of his. Remember, there's a little bit of debate about which one is his true rookie card. Um, but generally speaking, the 05 Topps has more value than the, than the 06 Topps. Uh, you know, the Astros, I mean, their pitchers combined to throw a no-hitter in Game 4 tying the series up at two games apiece. It was only the second no-hitter in World Series history. Don Larson had a perfect game for the Yankees. He had the first one back in... Uh, and only third in playoff history, I think. So. 1956, yeah. And that was the first loss for the Phillies in the playoffs at home. Phillies have been hot. Although the Astros have had a 5 to nothing lead in three of the five games, but actually lost, I think, two of those. And so, yeah... Um, Alvarez, Jordan Alvarez has not been – he's kind of picked a bad time to, to go cold at the plate, although I'm sure pitching has a lot to do with that, pitching around a little bit. The Phillies, Harper has stayed hot, but I did know – you know, the one thing about Harper, he walked twice. He still – I think he went one for two yesterday's game, but walked twice. Maybe he went two for four. I can't remember exactly this, the, the stat line for him, but had a good day at the plate, but walked twice. And, you know, that's what pitchers have done and teams have done to him in the regular season. Remember, we talked about that several times during the regular season about how much Harper walks, him and Juan Soto. And so maybe maybe that's going to be Houston's strategy is don't, don't pitch to these guys and, you know, try to make other players in the lineup hurt you. We'll see. Jordan Alvarez's cards have been pretty volatile, but essentially flat. He's got a 2018 Bowman Chrome Prospect Auto. It's his first Bowman. He's also got a 2020 Topps Chrome Refractor card I was looking at. Uh, prior to recording like i said basically they've been flat really haven't moved much now rice harper cards those have been taken off those have been moving higher his rookie cards in the 2012 set um ty's got several tops rookies there and just about all of them have pretty much doubled over the last three months he's also got his uh, first bowman's in the 2011 bowman chrome his the prospect auto it's up about 50 percent in the last three months or so the the He's got one in there that's a, a refractor. It's the serial number to 500 refractor. That one's up a bit more than 50%. But so another example of performance on the field translating to, to higher card values. And some of his top, his 2012 top stuff, even with doubling in value, they're not terribly expensive. So they, they might have been 50 to $75 for a PSA 10, and they're now you know 100 to $150 for a PSA 10. So still not incredibly expensive for... A player the caliber of of Bryce Harper I've got to admit I'm kind of pulling for Bryce Harper it's hard because Ver, I like Verlander Dusty Baker you know like him as well but the but the Astros you know kind of have that checkered past of of cheating and but, yeah, but they're still winning so I mean that should tell you something yeah and they've like, become a perennial powerhouse right something. they're still good like, yeah I mean, can't say anything. They've what? How, this is what their fourth World Series in five or six years. I mean, Something they've like they've that. really become a perennial powerhouse. Um, so it's it's interesting. But but yeah, I'm kind of pulling for the Phillies, and I'd like to see Bryce Harper. You know, what he came in the league when he was what 17, 18 years old. He's now 30, and and I'd like to see him get a championship. Um, I'm hoping he can. He can pull that off. So we'll see. Game six, like I said, tomorrow in Houston. We'll be watching that. Should we go do some NBA? Yeah, let's do some NBA. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Dude, you got you got some really interesting takes that I want to get to in here. Well, first of all, let's get a couple of the records out of the way. So Luca Luca Doncic becomes the first player since Wilt Chamberlain to score thirty plus points in the first <clears throat> excuse me seven games of the season. 
Will Dude, Desmond. scoring right now is <laughs> stupid. There's like 20 people averaging over 30 points. I know it's early, but like they're like the first like five or six. We, there was like a 40 point game every single night. Yeah. Like several several players had like multiple in like the first four games. Like yeah. it was it's ridiculous. Well, Wilt did it in 23 straight games in the 62-63 season. Luca's also averaging nine boards and nine assists a game, which I think is interesting. And and I think you're right. You know, you and I talked about this because I was asking you. I can't remember if we did it in a podcast or if it was offline, but I was asking you. You know, is Luca playing in these summer leagues? gonna hurt him when you get to the nba like season the world like fiba stuff yeah. yeah yeah is that gonna hurt him is he gonna be basically burnt out when you get to the nba season well it looks just the opposite like maybe it's got him in mid-season form well, where he's it, coming out of look, the gate his critique has always been he comes in out of shape now he's in shape when he's right from the get-go so. yeah but so now my question though is can it last right because yes. he comes in mid-season form so he's he's killing it but but it's a long season so is he gonna burn out and flame no. out here before the end of the season no he'll be fine he's used to playing basketball all the time yeah this whole i think i don't i don't think unless it's like an injury related thing i think he'll be fine yeah i don't think he burns out in terms of just being tired like i think you know the, the i mean it's an interesting question for him because he's like a high usage rate player but they've also kind of made moves to like adjust that a little bit so i think no i think he'll be fine yeah well his card value has been coming down i think that's more symptomatic of the broader market though there's because his cards got pretty high in value a lot of them there's been some stabilization stabilization i should say in prices over the past month or two in some of his more popular more widely held in other words high pop count type cards um but we'll see it's gonna be now the other thing is some of the older players like the oldest players in the nba i mean if you look at a lot of them and then you look at what lebron's among them right Mm -hmm. but he's like he's the only i mean it's crazy the oldest of the well, and, and when you look at what any of those older players are doing in terms of their production, like it's not like not even close. It, it's just it, it's incredible what LeBron is doing. I mean, Again, we have to another, give him props. It's like another at his Tom age. Brady situation. He from the get go, he understood this stuff and he played the long game. He knew his body is his greatest asset, and he's still playing at a high level, almost you know forty years old. Yeah. So yeah, at age thirty nine, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, and, he's like never gotten injured until the past three years. Yeah. So. But still had some pretty, you know, pretty good seasons yeah. in the last three years from a production standpoint. Um, although when you look at some of the, you know, LeBron and the Lakers, Curry and the Warriors, you know, I know it's early, right? Really early. But KD, the Nets, Kawhi, um, Harden. When you look at the Kawhi, records of those Kawhi teams, is an interesting case because Kawhi, it seems like he's having issues still with his knee, and yeah. like they literally, he's been out for so long. I feel like way longer than is normal for an ACL tear. Yeah. So you would think he, would, and they've been like so cautious. I feel like you would think he would be like ready to go, but like yeah. no, evidently not. I don't know what's going on with him. Well, I look. I'm not an NBA it's player, tough. but I did tear my ACL playing basketball. Yes. Like, you know, that's a that's your obviously your knees in basketball. That's a that is a tough injury. I know a lot of players have done it. I think Reggie Miller did it. Came back, played really well. There's been a lot of players that have done it, but it is a tough injury to come back from and play at a high at the level you were at prior to that injury in basketball. Usually, it's the Achilles. But you would at least think he could play, period. That's is the thing, is my thing. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of weird to see him having some issues with his, like, stiffness and stuff where he can't play. 
So I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. Um, but you do wonder. Hopefully like, we will see him because I love Kawhi. He's yeah, I love him too. He's a great player to watch. I love him. You do kind of wonder though: Are we passing the torch here with all these older guys' teams not doing so great? Some of the younger guys' teams doing pretty oh, well. Come on, these no 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 these <laughs> I teams know, not doing early. good are totally unrelated to these guys' play. Right. Warriors don't need to worry about them. Nets are a disaster. That's not KD's fault. Nets, well, I mean, maybe it was a little bit, but like that's not like you know. It's not the fault of his play. Right. You know, Kawhi's dealing with injuries. Harden's dealing with injuries. Also, I may want to talk about Harden for a second because I think people have a really short-term memory about <laughs> about him um, going into this season, about whether he's, like, washed or whatever. I think that's ridiculous. And then, obviously, like, the Lakers are the Lakers. So, like, I yeah. don't know. These players are still all Well, and it's the still, game. there's, like, what, like 10 games like, what into you, like, the give season me a break. Here, yeah, so. like... It's still very early, but nonetheless, we can, you know, it makes for interesting conversation and debate. Couple, uh, another quick, couple of quick just news notes. Uh, DeMar DeRozan scored his 20,000th point, and he is uh, now just the 50th player in NBA history. This is interesting to me because I'll be honest, I, I wasn't aware that he had, I mean, I knew DeMar DeRozan's a great player. He's the player, all-time but. leading scorer for Toronto. Yeah. But so if you know that, then you know that he's a big scorer. For Toronto, but he's yep. with the Bulls, right? He played for Toronto for a very long time. Okay. And he's yeah. their, their franchise leading scorer. Yeah. Well, just the 50th player in NBA history, 54th if you include ABA players, to eclipse 20,000 career points. His rookie cards, by the way, if you're interested in them, are in the 2009 sets. And here I thought it was cool, Coach. They were playing the Spurs, and um, they said Coach Pop called a uh, timeout. Just so that yeah, uh, cool. to allow the mm-hmm. crowd to be able to honor him, and they and DeRozan moment. played for the Spurs for like I think a season or two, so yeah, um, so that was cool to see. So they knew each other. Yeah. Now the flip side, some other some coaching news that was not so great. The Nets, uh, obviously off to a poor start, decided to fire Nash. That might be the fastest, one of the fastest coach firings I've I, ever seen. It, at the start it, of the you're season. what seven games in when they yeah. fired him? Okay, I don't. This has nothing. To, I don't think this has anything have to do with like Steve Nash though. I think. Because everything I've seen, they said, like, they're like, obviously, he had, like, probably one of the hardest situations to deal with for any, like, first, like, you know, first-time coaches. Um, I think it's just a situation where they need something to change, and they just decided, let's change coaches. Yeah. Um, I don't think it really had much to do with how good of a job he was doing or not. I don't think it's his fault. And I don't think the Nets think it's his fault, because all their statements and stuff that they said were basically, like... This is a really hard decision. Like we don't really blame him for anything. He had to deal with like ridiculously hard like circumstances, but we feel like we need to change something now, and like so we're gonna change the coach. You're right. I mean, that's that, um, you're right though. That's goodness. Like that's. But it's about a the really fastest. it's a really early like change. Like yeah. it's kind of weird to have a change. Well, and it makes you wonder because they said they wanted to go after the Celtics coach. Right? They're What's like his finalizing name? that right now. How do you now, say actually. his name? Yudoka. Yeah, Ime Yudoka. I think yeah. they're like finalizing that today. Actually, so it sounds like that's gonna. So be you kind of wonder if maybe that was. Maybe Maybe the impetus to do it. It could be. Maybe they. Maybe I mean, Udoka some had interest. some pretty good success with with Boston. So yeah. Um, now, a couple of things I want to get your take on because you you made I think well, some interesting. Should comments. we mention like the just like briefly mention that Kyrie has another situation? No, what's that? <laughs> oh, you don't know what the situation is? Which one? Which one? <laughs> His social media post apparently. The anti semitic yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. Well, he got like you know suspended for like some games. Um, interesting situation. Did he get Brooklyn. suspended? I didn't see that. He did get suspended for at least five games while he does some kind of anti-hate programming or something. I don't okay. know. Okay. Um, and they like don't they? They're both donating a bunch to 
you know, some some foundations or whatever. But it's just like interesting. I don't know what they're gonna do with him. Yeah, <laughs> just like another thing to add on the fire that is Brooklyn. It's ridiculous, dude. Yep. Yeah. That's why I didn't like pick Brooklyn for like anything this season because I just I feel like they're just like so volatile in terms of something happening. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. I just don't trust them. Well, it's unfortunate in the sense that um, just as far as on the court goes, he seemed to be. You know, pretty maybe, um, and I don't know. I, you know, obviously, we're not part of the team. Don't know what's happening in the locker room behind the scenes, but at least on the court, seemed to be pretty supportive and maybe a good influence for Ben Simmons. I think so. I think Kyrie's a pretty good influence in general. I, I just think it's an interesting situation given like his history. I think it's kind of a little bit unexpected. I think he just didn't really know. I wasn't really thinking, honestly, but whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it that much. Yeah, um, we, won't, we don't want to get It's just an interesting that. situation of the, the fire that is Brooklyn. I don't know. Well, so here's another thing. So the Heat have not – your beloved Miami Heat haven't gotten off to a great start, but you had a good take that I can't – I think we talked about offline, but I wanted to – I think you need to talk a little bit about it here because you had mentioned that um, – you know, one of the issues I think with them is they don't have a good number four. They're asking Butler, right, to play number four, yeah, right? Butler, and they're kind of having Jovich, the rookie, come in and kind of flex four-ish sometimes. It's a weird situation. And the last time that happened, they were yeah, they got spot Milwaukee in the first yeah, round. Yeah, they didn't have a great. So but the thing I'm looking at is I don't know what the Suns are doing with Jay Crowder because he's not playing, and they've decided not to play him to move him. But that was like a while ago. They said they were doing that, and I was like. Why don't we get Jay back? Because yeah. we had him this in the bubble season. Yeah. Um, he's a he's like he fits. He's a, like a perfect four. Him and PJ. So like I I'm expecting them to try and get him at some point. I don't know what the Suns are doing with him, but um, that would be my that'd be my idea in terms of like because that's like the only one I can see where like that's like available. That's like really solid, right? So yeah. They're playing like the yeah, I don't know that Miami's interesting an interesting case because they're trying to play small now and it's just like weird with i don't know i don't like well and so far it doesn't seem to be working out for them very well i mean they'll but be you'd fine like they've, they've beat some good teams and they've lost to some bad teams i just think it's i don't know i think it's just early season sure because the warriors are also struggling so you know. yeah exactly well and then you had another you had a take on the lakers that i thought was interesting as well just in terms of the difference between the style of play for Russell Westbrook and LeBron because you know we were talking about look I mean Russ didn't just get bad overnight and he's still you know when you look at the box what score I mean that? he's filling up the box score but get, t- talk about kind of what you were saying to me about just the different style of play well we said two. this well okay so they're having him come off the bench now and they're having some success with it right and I think that listen we were saying this last season like literally at the start of last season um I don't think he necessarily needs to come off the bench. They're doing it now and it's working. So like do it if it's working, but like I would have him at least play with the second unit just because of the difference in like play styles between the starting five and the bench, because the way the Lakers are set up, they're like, they brought in some youth, but they're all really young. Right. And so they still have the old guys and those guys are mainly in the starting lineup. LeBron and AD like to play slow they like to play in the half court a little bit more right yep russ just likes to go 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 and so when you have russ and lebron on the floor at the same time both those guys are ball dominant players who want to play very different ways like now they can mix that a little bit but it's just hard so we all this is what we were saying last season is have russ play with the second unit and just have them play two completely different games 
where you have like LeBron and like the starting five play like a slower half court set style of basketball. And then you have Russ come in with the second unit with all those young guys who just want to run and have a yeah. ton of energy yeah. and just run, just fast break and just play really, really fast. And then when you're playing Lakers, you have to deal with both of these, like LeBron's brain and like a really slow. And you also have to play with those guys that are just going to beat you to beat you to death by running. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're doing that. They're having him come off the bench. I didn't think he necessarily needed to come off the bench, but that's the way they decided to take it. And they're having some success with it. So, um, yeah. Maybe they can turn it around now just I think, by using him better. Yeah, maybe. I think the hard part, though, the question I had for you is I think your take there makes a ton of sense. And then you can live with the turnovers, too, because of this play style. Yeah. Because the well, the biggest issue, one of the biggest critiques is he's turning the ball over constantly. Well, now you have Pat Bev starting point guard. He's not going to really turn the ball over in the starting lineup. You can live with the fast turnovers because they're playing a completely different style where turnovers are really like prone yeah. in that kind of a style. Higher, the yeah, Warriors the Warriors play a very similar kind of way, not in terms of maybe maybe not the speed, but in terms of just like moving the ball quickly. And so they're okay with having a lot of turnovers because that's just how they play. Right. It's just part of it's just a you know, a side effect of the play style. The one challenge I think you have with that though is that both guys need minutes. Right, and so there's still to, you can come play, off the bench and get a lot of minutes. Yeah, but it's just LeBron's the way you're still going to be in, right? Rotate, I mean, right. you got what 48 minutes in mm-hmm. an NBA game, and if LeBron's going to get what does he get 30, 35 minutes a well, game? Well, those guys, I mean, they can still play together. Yeah, um, they can still play together, but you just have generally. That's why I said you don't need to. He doesn't have to come off the bench because those guys can still play together. You just don't necessarily want their play styles clashing the whole game. Right, like have something give every now and then. Right, and then have one guy take over, have the other guy take over, whatever you need to do, based on the situation, right? Yeah. Don't give them like the same look the whole game. Yeah, yeah, it's a good take, I think. And like you said, they've switched up a little bit, so and they've actually been winning some games now. So we'll see if that does anything different from them. Milwaukee's off to a hot start. Is Giannis the best player in the NBA? That's what I think. I've said that last year. Yeah. And then another take you've had, you called this one early, and that's uh, Anthony, is it Simons? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with the Trailblazers. He's looking good early on and doing well. Um, and obviously Portland is, is doing pretty well as well. Now, I, Simons is seems like a crowded trade to me from a sports card perspective because there's I've heard a lot of people in the hobby talking about him I've seen a lot of his cards at the like at that Nashville card show and I and just in general I've started to see you know social media and other places I've seen a lot of his stuff pop up and and a lot of his stuff went up quite a bit earlier this year it started to come down a little bit but it's still you know higher than it was say a year or more ago his rookie cards by the way are in the 2018 sets and so i might just be a little i'm kicking myself because you had told me what over probably a year year and a half ago to pick up some of his stuff and i thought about doing i didn't kicking myself should have done that and taken your advice well i don't um, think we could have expected the portland start that they've had so that kind of i mean i wasn't expecting portland to be really any good just him to play well yeah um, so when you have those both combined it can kind of be absolutely you know. yeah so, but that said, you know, like I said, he's just become so popular and it seems like a crowded trade that I wouldn't necessarily chase his stuff here, but he's going to be an interesting and, and fun one to watch. And then, you know, several, I mean, you've had a lot of good takes, a lot of good calls. I mean, Toronto, um, they're what, third in the East right now behind Milwaukee and Cleveland. And Give it some time. They were, they're not going to stay third, you don't <laughs> but think they're so. going to be good, but they're not going to stay third. Yeah. I don't think. And then another one, I think Cleveland and Donovan Mitchell is, you know, playing well i mean his cards have come I'm, down in i'm value. high on cleveland yeah i'm high on cleveland i like their i like the way they play yeah they've one of they're like one of the few teams i've seen multiple 
of their games they Do, look good to me and they, they look do, good to they, me they look legit they do and donovan mitchell is man i was watching one of their games the other day and holy cow he was just shooting the lights out he smooth. is one of the most well-balanced players i think i have seen like his his step back is one of the cleanest step backs i've ever seen yeah. he goes straight up yeah he does not sway at all it's ridiculous well the interesting thing about him is a lot of his card values have come down so he's got his rookies are in the 2017 sets he's the the if you look at the panini prism silver in a psa 10 it's around 170 dollars give or take that's down from over 500 in the past year his uh, don russ optic hollow in a psa 10 is around 180 dollars so some of his stuff could be interesting to to watch because if like you said if cleveland continues to do well and he continues to play well you know, there might be that might be one of those situations where towards the end of the year, the playoffs come around. You're talking about how performance on the court is translating to, you know, higher higher card values. So, you know, we'll have to see and watch that one. Um, what about Utah, though? I mean, with all the offseason moves they had, was anyone expecting them to? And now here they are. They've no. got six players no, averaging double digits. nobody was expecting that. But, I mean, you have to look at it. Like, yeah, they're in rebuild mode, but they have, like, so many random trade pieces that are all, like, pretty decent, like, to good players on their own. It's like, honestly, like, no, no, no one was expecting that. But when you look at it, you're like, okay. Like, because the, these guys are all, a lot of them realize that they might not stay there. Yeah probably most of them probably will not they're probably going to get moved so they're going to be like okay i'm going to ball out i'm going to increase my trade value and let's see where i can end up right so you got a lot of guys playing well there yeah. and that's just going to translate to winning games right so yeah interesting situation yeah and then uh another one that i think is interesting is uh, michael porter jr for the nuggets you know he's coming back from his back injuries and his cards have come down in value. Um, his rookie cards in the 2018 sets. Uh, he's got a Don Russ Optic in a PSA 10 that sells for around $100. His Panini Prism Silver in a PSA 10 sells for around $175. Not exactly cheap, but not expensive either. And he's been doing pretty well. If he can stay healthy and the Nuggets can you know, continue to play well, that could be another interesting one to watch, I think. I think so. But Nuggets are an interesting team so far. Yeah. But I guess it's just a matter of him staying healthy. I mean, there have been a lot of stars missing time early on. We've seen, you know, Zion and Jaw and Josh Giddy and Lamelo and Zion's you know. back though. It's yeah. like I feel like it's a lot of minor stuff. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I know Harden went down for like a month-ish or something with a tendon and his foot strain. Yeah, um, that's probably the biggest one I've seen so far. All right. Well, anything else in the NBA? Um, no, I don't think so. Still super early, so it's kind it of... It is. I mean, that's this, the thing All this, this is kind of volatile. It is. I mean, like we talked about in the West, you know, Phoenix, Portland, Utah, but really... Like still, well, there's like 72 games. More than, like, 75, or, 74 games to Yeah, go. exactly. Well, right, I was so. going to say, there's only, like, one or two games yeah, that's separating right, right. most teams from each other, so really difficult to necessarily draw any conclusions, and schedule and everything else has a lot to do yeah. with that, so... You kind of got to wait till Christmas before you really know anything. Yeah. In my opinion. But, okay, well, let's touch on a couple things on the NHL, and then we'll wrap up the show. So um, Alexander Ovechkin tied Gordie Howe for the most goals scored with one NHL team. He scored his 786th goal for Washington, which tied Gordie Howe's mark, who did it with the Detroit Red Wings. However, interesting to note that Ovechkin did it in 18 seasons and just 1,286 games with Washington, whereas Howe did it over the course of 25 seasons and 1,687 games. So literally over 400, 401 games less across and 17 seasons less 
uh, it took Ovechkin to achieve that mark. And by the way, Alexander Ovechkin's rookie cards are in the 2005 sets. I think we talked about one of his cards um, setting a record in our card ladder record sales segment. His uh, young guns in a PSA 10 last sold for $5,000. The pop on that one's 1,076. That's down from about eight to nine thousand dollars a year ago, but it is up quite a bit from pre-COVID levels. Here's an interesting thing about Ovechkin. You know, we talked about the cup and the rookie patch, the RPAs, rookie patch autograph cards in there for the hockey players. You you have not seen many sales of any Ovechkin's RPAs from the cup set. And I think that's that's one of those things we talked about saturation causing some of these prices to come down because you're seeing the same cards up for auction over and over again. Um, you're not seeing that with Ovechkin stuff. So it would be if if one of his RPAs from the cup hit the market, it'd be really interesting to see. I bet you it would go for a pretty penny because you're just not seeing a lot of those come up for sale, at least not publicly anyway. So um, I do think the New York Rangers are an interesting team to watch. They've obviously, we've talked before about Shesterkin, who they've got in goal. Um, they've got Capo uh, Caco, and they've got Zabanajad, uh, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, uh, Panarin, Trocek, Fox. Um, good team. Um, so I, I don't know. They could be an interesting one to watch. Our beloved A- uh, Preds, and then maybe second favorite team, Avs uh, from Denver. Not off to a great start, or certainly not the start they would have hoped for. Again, early, so we'll see. But um, Lucas Raymond is a big uh, name, young young uh, upcoming player, or at least hopefully we'll see with Detroit. Finally got his first two goals of the season in a 2-1 two, two to one win over Minnesota. And by the way, Kirill Kaprizov uh, scored the goal for the Wild. And as far as kind of what we're, so look at the Edmonton Oilers. I thought this was interesting, just kind of, again, just stepping back and looking at 30,000-foot level. And the Oilers are looking good, doing well. I, th- I can think they're second or third place, something like that right now. Again, it's still early. But Connor McDavid leading the league in goals and points, and, and his partner, by the way, Drysaddle, um, leading the league in assists, and is second in the league in points, only behind his partner, Connor McDavid. So that's a heck of a one-two punch in, in Edmonton. And uh, and here Vegas and Boston are absolutely crushing it right now. Vegas is ten and two, Boston is ten and one respectively. Boston has Pasternak, Lindholm, uh, Bergeron. Of course, Vegas has uh, Jack Eichel among others. So they're they're off to a hot start this season. And then I got to say, what is in the water in Philly, right? I mean, yeah, that's the thing, isn't the, it? The Phillies, obviously, in the World Series, Eagles undefeated right now. Uh, the 76ers, I mean, you know, maybe not they have a quite. Good, they have a good team. Good team, yeah, just, maybe not quite off to the start. They're working on figuring it out yeah. right now. And the Flyers, Flyers the same way. Flyers, you know, not not like top of the league right now, but they're off to a decent start. So Philly's having a having a pretty decent. Uh, although here's the, the bad news on that. Last time, there's an interesting note. Remember, we've talked about just the economy as a whole. You know, don't fight the Fed, kind of what's happening in the, in the economy, not just the, the hobby, you know, the sports card market, but the overall economy, the stock market, all that, kind of, what's going on with interest rates. So the last time the Phillies won a World Series, the economy went into recession. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if there's any uh, well, the link Astros there. have a chance to prevent that. Yeah, that's true. On Saturday. I guess that, yeah, yeah, the Astros might have something to say about that. So we'll see. That's dead. That said, I'm still pulling for, sorry, Houston fans, yeah. but I'm still pulling for the Phillies uh, to pull one out. So, all right. Well, that's all I got mm-hmm. in, in hockey. You got anything else? We're going to talk about Bowl Bowl next time. Okay. We can do that. We'll just leave it at that. You just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about Otani, too. Because mm-hmm. I think that we didn't talk about him in baseball, but I think he's going to be one to watch in the offseason and look at some of his card stuff. 
Um, we've talked about him in the past, but I, I do think this offseason is going to be interesting uh, with him. So, all right, well, we can save those two topics for the next show. All right, well, that'll be it then. That's the show for today. Yeah? All right, yeah. All right, well, thanks again to all of our listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, season two is officially underway. We are going to try to line up a number of guest interviews this year, just like we did last year in season one. So stay tuned for more on that as we get those um, guests lined up and confirmed. We'll let you know. And so, Brandon, go ahead and take us out. All right. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to another season, episode one today, I suppose. I want to thank everybody for spending some of your time with us. If you have ideas for topics for a future show or questions that you'd like us to answer, please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know as we'll do our best to incorporate that into the show. Um, also, check us out on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. Yes, and as I always say, please tell your family and friends about us as well. Please encourage them to listen to the show and follow us on your favorite podcast outlet. As we mentioned, we've seen some nice growth in the number of our listeners and followers, and we really appreciate that, and we're hoping we can keep that up, and we appreciate any help that you, our listeners, can offer to spread the word and make that happen for us. So that is it, show number 56 in the books, first one of season two. Thanks again, everybody. It's good to be back, and we will see everyone next week, same time, same place, here on the 615 Collector.